Thanks for downloading this episode of the Fantasy Animation Podcast. You can find more about the Fantasy Animation Research Network at fantasy-animation.org or via Twitter at fananimresearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M research. We're looking for blog posts as always, so if you're interested in producing one of those, do get in touch. This episode features a particularly special guest appearance by Richard Dyer, Professor Emeritus of King's College London and the University of St Andrews. Dyer's contribution to the field of film studies and media studies, as well as cultural studies, is too vast for me to um, speak about here, but I think people will recognise his work in the field of research into entertainment, into homosexual representation, um, into sexuality, into ideas of uh, whiteness and race, um, and all manner of other important works in our field. We were really pleased to have him on. Because we took the podcast on the road, there are a few sound issues you should be aware of. Nothing too major, and I'm sure you'll hear all of it, but there'll be a few um, odd noises here or there as the microphone was sort of placed in between a bookshelf uh, and a cup of tea, to be honest. Um, so we do apologise, but I hope you understand that with schedules and everything, um, this podcast had to be recorded outside the studio, and that's them's the breaks, really. Um, I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Please sit back and relax, um, unless you're sort of driving or something, in which case stay alert um, and enjoy the show. I'm Peppa Pig. This is my little brother George. This is Mummy Pig. And this is Daddy Pig. <laughs> Peppa Pig. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Animation Podcast. I'm, of course, Alex Sargent. And I am, of course, Chris Holliday. <laughs> this week, uh, it is my absolute pleasure to invite, uh, and welcome, I should say, uh, Richard Dyer to the podcast, um, who is going to talk to us uh, about Peppa Pig. And now that I've said that sentence out loud, I can retire from academia, <laughs> yeah. um, because my work is done. Uh, Richard, <laughs> welcome welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's great. To it's be funny, here. because I'm, I'm obviously thinking about ways to introduce you and... and, and the, kind of the subject areas that you've studied from here on in one of the most recent things you will also be known for is now talking about Peppa Pig on, on a podcast um, for listeners who are perhaps unfamiliar with with Richard's work he's he's written a lot on on stars and stardom uh, entertainment uh, and more recently he has delved into kind of questions of music and 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 uh, the relationship between music film and feeling to quote the title of one of his books on Nina Rota uh, and a book as well on in the space of a song the uses of song in film yes so Richard we were very keen to get you on the podcast and to be honest, we were so keen, uh, listeners, that we basically gave you a free invitation. You did. Um, and you've picked Peppa Pig. So... Well, no, but I didn't... Because yeah, I was very interested. I, it was just a little sentence at the end. Well, let's... let's when we've I actually... said something like, well, of course I like Peppa Pig. I think I said, well, why don't we discuss Vertigo? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's funny, Richard, you mentioned that. We have the email we right here. <laughs> so we, we are invited, Richard, and, 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 and to, to talk about either something maybe connected to his work, the role of animation. The first three paragraphs are very much about vertigo, mm -hmm. classical cinema, the insertion of animation into classical cinema, which is which is interesting, I think, and, and sort of dream sequences. Um, and then there's one line, and it's this, this is the line. Uh, I am a devotee of Peppa Pig and Shaun the Sheep, but of course these are not fantasies. And, and you had us at that. Oh, yes. um, so what we normally do when we have guests on is ask kind of where they're coming from in terms right. of why Peppa Pig. So why the I am a devotee of Peppa Pig and Shaun the Sheep, but of course these are not fantasies. Yeah. Why expand yeah. and discuss? <laughs> discuss, discuss. <laughs> yes. Well, perhaps I should just begin by saying how that. I mean, I never watched children's television. I barely watched children's things, even when I was a child. We didn't have television until I was 10. But even then, I did watch... My favourite programme as a child was 
a program called Billy Bean and His Funny Machine, which seems to be a forgotten yeah. uh, animation. Um, but anyway, I don't know if, it's, if there are any copies left. But I didn't watch much television, and I didn't. I read Noddy, but I was. I've never been into children's things, even as a child. Uh, I don't have children. I never wanted to have children. I get on fine with children, but you know, they I don't. You know, I don't have much to do with them anyway. But my partner, Giorgio, loves children's things, <laughs> has always loved children's things, and he loves cartoons. And he watch, often he's often watches, um, he loves Sesame Street, he loves Shaun the Sheep, and he loved Peppa Pig. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, you should really watch it. And I thought, oh, ridiculous. Yes. But in fact, in fact, I've sort of discovered the child in myself. <laughs> oh, <I'm> wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, uh, it is yes. interesting. I can see yes. why, certainly my relatives, my, yes. my nieces and nephews, why they uh, are attracted to it. I think yeah. it's very appealing. Yes. Um, it's very well structured if the plots themselves aren't particularly dramatic. Yes. But uh, if you kind of take a cross-section of episodes, it does some really yes. interesting stuff. Yeah. And, and when I mentioned to other members of my family who are parents, they were recommending episodes to me oh, because right. ones yes. are really, some yes. episodes are really clever or they, they're very self-conscious and reflexive. And so actually there's a lot within yes. the programme. So what is it for there you? Was quite a, interesting there's quite a lot on the internet as you uh, I mean I just had a quick trawl of being oh we should we should ban our children from watching yeah. it so it's interesting there is that other side of it mm-hmm. well I, mean, I could do you want me to talk about the fantasy thing first because it's not the only thing I like about yeah. it but I just when I was thinking about doing this I was thinking well what what does what is fantasy I'm sure you spent a lot of time because <laughs> I thought at one level it's obviously is fantasy because pigs don't talk yes uh, and so and you know, the pigs that don't sort of go to school with rabbits and elephants and everything so it, one is in a way it obviously isn't it obviously is fantasy if one means by that something which is we, we can we can sort of agree is ontologically not real I don't know if that's a but then I thought, but at a second level, because I was also thinking what you were talking about, what you talk about the primary and secondary, and I was thinking, where would you fit this into primary and secondary worlds of, mm. and so on? Because at another level, it's completely banal. <laughs> I mean, in, in terms of, you know, yes. the, what, what happens, once, once you've got over the fact that they're pigs mm-hmm. and, what, and everything else, everything that happens, although a bit, in some of the later episodes, it does get a little tiny bit fantastical, like... Daddy Pig getting stuck at the top of the Eiffel Tower in one yes, and, yes, yes, uh, yes. and there's another one where they end up on a desert island. But even that's only just a tiny bit. Um, yeah. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, most of the episodes are Pepper goes playing in a puddle. Yes, that's yes. Yes. gets dirty. That's she the, gets that's cleaned the kind up. Of the uh, one is the, is the, <laughs> mu- the muddy puddle. Uh, is the you know the uh, episode. Absolutely. Um, so very classical. Yes. Equilibrium disruption. Yes. <laughs> yes. You need wellies. Yes. Return to equilibrium. Yes. Yeah. One yeah. has wellies. Yeah. No, I think if you and even the episode titles speak yes. a little bit to this. You know they are very. I think banal is and in yes. a great way. You know muddy yes. puddles. My dinosaur is lost. Best friend. And they're the first three episodes. And I mm. think yeah, there's something. I don't know, I guess rather, yeah, kind of simplistic or accessible mm. that is matched, or the, the, maybe the banality or the simplicity yes. of the, the narratives are themselves replicated right. in the style. So maybe yes. there's something around those yeah, Absolutely, no, I, I think that's really interesting. But can I just finish on the yeah, fantasy yeah. point? I think you could go to a third level and say it's actually a fantasy of banality. I'm sorry that sounds, this is really kind of, but it can, of course it actually makes out that life is more straightforward and banal than of course right. it is really. So there's another sense of fantasy, of meaning actually everyday life isn't really that straightforward. 
even for children. So it becomes a, well, yes, a, a distillation yes, of yeah, yeah. these kind of the it's kind of banality. Like a, a fantasy of the banal or something like Great. that. You know? Yeah. Well, it sort of removes the messiness of life and yes, what makes it sort yes. of ordered and routine. And also the whole thing is always, you know, the problems are always solved immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone ends up laughing and is happy, which is what I adore the end. I love the laughing. I was going to say the laugh. The most laughing episodes, is fabulous. Yeah, most episodes end with. <laughs> but it always, it always ends with a certain, unusually, his, almost hysterical laugh. Um, so, so, but all of that is that is of course a fantasy sure. of what everyday life is like. So it, it's a different uses of the word fantasy. Yeah. But I mean that is itself quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think from my perspective, I mean, I think the key thing here yeah. is the sort of the anthropomorphism and yes. the use of animals mm. to speak to ordinary yes. concerns, and that's such a sort of uh, tried and tested sort of yes. folklore storytelling that feeds into fantasy storytelling. You know, this is this sits alongside all kinds of. Uh, you know, uh, right back to sort of Renard the mm, Fox, yes, all these kind of yeah. things. Of, yeah. but rather than having these large and life pranksters, it's it's this sub, you know, cuddly with quotation yes. marks around it depiction of um, a suburban life full of pigs and elephants mm. and and sheep. And I must, I must, and also gazelles and, and it's, <laughs> sure. it's, not, it's also yeah. essentially it's not only domestic. Think not only animals we have in this country apart from in zoos. No, yeah, whether absolutely. they're meant to be, whether you're meant to think of them almost more like cuddly toys. I don't know. Like the elephant, I particularly think, is that elephant... <laughs> I was about to say, is that a real elephant? Yes, of course it's not. But is it, is it there? Because it's even the same size as Pepper. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so is it, is it really an idea that these are all cuddly toys rather than that they are... Oh, that's animals. very interesting. That they're know. being played with yes. yeah. in w- some way. Which yeah. has a certain British tradition, right, with sort of bagpuss, the sort yes. of, uh, you know, toys coming to life. And also, I know you've written a little bit on this, haven't you, Chris, about anthropomorphism, yes. sort of in, like, the, the, the sort of scale between uh, mice and yeah. Mickey Mouse yes. and, and things like that. Yes, stop yes, that, that is, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I suppose it's the, the sort, you're playing the percentages or the ratio between yes. the human and the non-human, and these yes. things exist on a sliding scale yeah. of... Where, at what point do nature yes. and culture collide, and what's right. what's the kind of hierarchy there? Are these are these animals that right. are ostensibly humans? Yes. They are they are they are animals, but ost- yeah. they are humans in all but look. If you know. I know, well, I thought it was interesting. There are two things that make them pig-like. One, of course, is the snorting, yes. particularly Daddy Pig, yeah. but all of them, even and of course Pepper herself snorts. Yes, and when and it's, I love there's one episode in which they all have to I think they have to sing. And they all, and, and Madam, I think it's Madam Gazelle at the nursery school, teaches them how to sing. Of course, they all just sing. They all snort yes. or bar or whatever else it is. But the other thing, of course, is jumping in mud. I mean, yeah. well, it really surprised me. I thought, God, doesn't, don't the parents mind that they come back so much? At one point, he does say, you're a bit dirty and cleans off George particularly, I think. Yeah. But nonetheless... Of course, that's our idea of pigs, is that yeah. they like wallowing in mud. But that's it. I think yeah. that's interesting because yeah. that, that ties in, the, I suppose, the, the broader narrative. So mm. the very, very first episode, Muddy Puddles, mm. is about exactly yes. that. And it, I think it's through that, that that connection that we would have between pigs and mud in this episode is being transformed because it's about they need to have Wellingtons and this is yes. really important yes. for the way. Yes. But that then, that then speaks to the, the way that the animals are being articulated and that collision between the natural instinctual nature mm. of yes. animals and p- the pig the pig in them yes. that wants to roll around in mud. Yes. Uh, and then that is countered or tempered or qualified by the shift to, oh, well, you need Wellingtons and you need to be addressed yes. appropriately. So actually in that very first episode... That but you don't need that. Wellingtons. You don't need anything else. No, no, no. Which is, I think, so. it's a sort of classic 
cartoon Donald Duck needs a, uh, a bathroom when he gets yes. out of the shower. Yeah. But he's um, naked, kind of, but he's yeah. naked at the rest yeah, of the yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. episode. Have you seen the episode of The Queen? Because in that, they go and visit the Queen and then they all go jumping in the puddle. And she's about, and the Queen is about to join. And they say, oh, no, you can't you, because you haven't got any Wellingtons. <laughs> and so she has to go off and get Wellingtons. And then she comes back and enjoys. And then, of course, the voiceover is everyone loves jumping in. Well, this is true. So there we go. The, the, the television programme is consistent the way that it sets up these complex yeah. narrative components yeah. in episode one and yes. then maintains it throughout. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think that, that first episode, it does a lot in terms of solidifying relationships between characters, uh, between Pepper and George, between kind of what the location, of yeah. course, the house on the hill. Yeah. It does a lot of world building yes. as, as it does. And actually the first few episodes do exactly mm. that. Mm. Um, they, the episodes explore the space, we explore the space mm. and so forth. But yeah, that kind of muddy puddle. It's interesting that we're having this conversation about muddy puddles. It's just, it's lovely. Uh, <laughs> muddy puddles. Uh, that brings out some of these tensions that I think the, the television programme plays with, i.e. what animals are allowed to be animals in this yeah. world, what animals are not. The fact that animals can have pets, yeah. animals can have animals, yes. pigs can have parrots. Yes. Um, as a later episode in season one. Yes. So there's, there's a lot going on in terms of, if it's about the fantasy of banality, it seems to be about what we do when we cast animals mm. as characters mm. and how what kind of expressive scope that opens us for us as mm. as animators, for example. What, what what can we do with character relationships that in the real world wouldn't really connect? So I think that, that for me, that's the... Mm. That and the style of the thing. Although it almost feels like they're not... They might just... Uh, the, the lamb or the sheep might just as well be a dog. I mean, there's nothing... Well, occasionally, like the fox in one of them, the fox in who sells a gnome for Grandpa's Pond, has a kind of a Cockney wide boy, which is a bit like the fox in um, Pinocchio of Disney. Yeah. So very occasionally there's something, but really they're almost interchangeable in terms of uh, mm. what animals they happen to be. That's interesting. I wonder um, if there's a kind of register or they're playing into certain a kind of cultural consciousness. There's something very elephanty yeah. about the elephant or even the fox at the school is just another... I think another there's a animal. fox there, but certainly the dog and the cat and so on. They're just, yes. they're just another, another pepper. But as you said, the pigs yeah. do have a certain gesture towards their pigness, yes. right? Yes, yes. Um, Although it's interesting, even the queen can join in, so it turns out that yeah, yeah. we can all be pigs. We can all be pigs, <laughs> even the queen. And on that bombshell, um, we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely, but you're right. There's sort of, yeah, there's Emily Elephant, her best yes. friend, but there's nothing, um, yes. Why, why is she an elephant, I guess, yeah. is, the, is the question. One well, poses. she does. Have, she, the only thing is that she, at the first, I think in the first episode we meet her, she is able to build the um, bricks on top of each other using her trunk. Yeah. So that makes sort of occasion, but I mean, it's nothing. But in terms of personality, yes, there's no real difference. Uh, yeah, the message, the role of and this kind of compatibility yes. between characterization yes. uh, and the, and the animal yes. itself. How are these? Because I think the tendency, certainly within animation, is to create characters that befit certain animals. So, yes. A fox will always be cunning. Yes. Yes. Um, and these kinds of relationships between personality and design. This is yeah. the foundation of, yeah. of animation going back hundreds yeah. of years. You know, the personality animation, how we believe in certain characters. But it's interesting, as you said, that there's an interchangeability with the characters. We don't assign them that the crook isn't going to be the right, fox. Or yes. We don't really assign them those kinds of personalities. And, and that it, opens up personality yeah. in a different way, yeah. perhaps. I mean, even in the museum one, the fox, because that's one of the more sort of um, sophisticated episodes, the, the, the fox sells the gnome to... No, I forget who it is. I, I, think, oh, to, I think it's to Grandma Pig. And, and says, oh, it's a genuine antique. 
And the and Grandpa Pig is, says, oh, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Some words to that effect. But then it turns out that the museum curator, uh, who, who's a rabbit, who's a Welsh rabbit, I, mean, I only got the joke, actually, <laughs> but I was thinking about it, the fact that well, I thought, why is she speaking in Welsh? Anyway, oh, no, 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 sorry, that's a different episode. But the museum, the museum, because it's a man, the museum curator. Anyway, he confirms that the gnome indeed is an antique. So even up. the... Wily Fox turns out to have not been particularly. So I think one of the things, yeah. or one of the things that seems to be coming out, is that in the first few episodes you solidify the family. So these are Pepper and George. We would say the protagonists, yeah. but yeah. even that's kind of quite loose. Their parents and they live uh, on a hill, on a, in a house on a hill, yeah. very simplistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it seems to be that characters kind of come and go. They add, mm-hmm. they add depth and dimension mm-hmm. to the world. Um, there is the school teacher. There are friends. There is Susie the sheep. There, and suddenly you get this accumulation of different kinds of characters that aren't consistent, but perhaps come in and out of. And that, and the series, as it has been for the last four or five years, has been snapshots of the world of Peppa Pig and mm. and, and places that they go and and stuff that happens to them. Alex, you're looking quizzical. I, I always. I mean, always. Look, I always, always look a... quizzical, but uh, now I'm looking quizzical. Yes. Um, I uh, I'm just thinking about. Um, we often sort of, I don't know, perhaps clumsily divide narratives into sort of character-based narratives mm. and plot-based narratives. And I'm trying to think, you, you, you're using the word complexity and world-building, which I think is right because you get an accumulative knowledge of this, mm. this land and these places. Yeah. But, but actually, I find it very, you know, it's, it's sparse on its characterization and it's sparse on its plotting. Mm. Um, so what, what, it, what is it giving us instead is yeah. sort of the question I'm wondering. Because actually, it's not about, there's not much character journey going on. You know, what, I can define Peppa Pig, she's cheery, um, she's playful. That's about it. I find it difficult. Oh, well, boss, some, uh, again, some of the people that don't like it particularly think she's bossy. Okay. But she isn't very boss. <laughs> I don't think anyone's very anything. Yeah, no one's, that's absolutely right, um, yes. And so, so it's not really, you know, uh, you know, not that I'm necessarily comparing this to sort of classical narrative theory here, but if, but if, if I'm not after the, if it's not a, if I'm not compelled to watch because I'm trying to see the growth of the character and I'm not compelled to watch because I'm, something exciting is going to happen, what am I compelled to watch? And I guess, what, uh, for me, a gesture, but perhaps we can play with this a bit, is, is just these, is a sense of familiarity and, mm. and, fam- and cosiness. And, mm. and characters come in and out. It's like they pop round for tea, then they go. That's one episode. Mm. Next episode, they go on a little jaunt to the park. It's almost like a sort of... It must almost episodically be what a, it feels like as a child, right? Each day, you do something different. You don't quite know why. People come in and mm. out. So they're all very friendly. Mm. Um, and this is sort of fantasy of banality. I like that. I do, I do like that idea. And I'm wondering, and I'm not going to be that person that connects it to slow cinema. I'm not going to be that person. <laughs> mm. But there is something quite plodding and, and in a great way. It's a bellatar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these are, you know, these are only five or six episode, uh, minute long episodes, really. And they... It's not that they cram a lot in, but there's there's a sort of establishing of, of something's going to happen. There is a, a yeah. sense of drama, i.e. the toy will be lost or Wellingtons will be, you know, mis- misplaced in one yes. needs, as we know. Yes. If people, if listeners take nothing away from this episode, it's that you need Wellingtons to, to run around in mm-hmm. muddy puddles. Um, there might be a game of hide-and-seek and the character goes missing and they can't find them, but then they find them again. So I, I know what you mean, and I wonder whether this fantasy of banality ties into this issue of it's very it's very nice and very cosy and very... It's very and simple. Yeah, but not in a not in a negative way. It's not it's not simple. I mean, it, it, uh, well, I could argue that it's simple in the way that it's designed, um, mm. in terms of the composition of some of the 
the, the shots or the, the design of the characters, the use of colour is very flat, mm. it's a very kind of flattened graphic aesthetic. There isn't att an attempt to at depth, it's comic book-like. I think tableau framing, characters mm. go from mm. left mm. to right, they very, very rarely go forward to back or these kinds of things. Oh, there's no perspective. No perspective. That's, that's the, the eyes yeah, are particularly that's, interesting. that's so trademark, yes, isn't yes, it? Yeah. So, so the, the two eyes on the yes, side of the head. Yeah. So yeah. what is it then? I mean, uh, and maybe this is a question that, that Richard can answer, this idea of niceness. I know that you're interested no. in, in the niceness of it it is very cozy and comfortable yeah. as alex would say but yeah if, there's, if the but just can i but i'm interested that you said well it's not bella tar which of course it isn't yeah but i actually think or that, is it I, well, I think, <laughs> because i was thinking because i think there is a way in which it is well it made me think about the debates that people had uh, when when people rediscovered early cinema there was a great kind of excitement that suddenly all this stuff that we'd all thought was the kind of just a kind of archaeological interest. Suddenly, people became very interested in it. And of course, one thing that people ran a lot with was cinema of attractions. Yes. But also, uh, which, which of course you could easily see, this as kind of it's what's the attraction of this particular episode? Is this maybe there's a story with? There's certainly not a developing story with across the series. Yes. But it, maybe there's a sort of a story, but often it is just the like the like, dancing or something might just be all the story is. Mm -hmm. So, um, but then I also, the other thing people did with the uh, early cinema was say, well, it's avant-garde, really, because it's not obeying the rules of classical cinema. This is what could... And, of course, there was that kind of radical view that early cinema, it suggested the cinema could have been this really progressive avant-garde form, and then it was kind of hijacked by bourgeois and classical mm -hmm. cinema. And they so and then the people said, "Well, you know, should we really start comparing early cinema with with sort of modernism and avant-garde?" And I thought, well, you could talk about Peppa Pig, not and clearly not in terms of um, long takes, but in terms of simplicity, yeah. in terms of repetition. And I and I really thought the people one might think about people like Giorgio Morandi or Matisse, late Matisse. Or these these kind of um, painters who paint the same thing over and over again, <laughs> and um, the only thing is, I thought that in a way I, I like the earlier episodes of Pepper better because they are just that, and then I think then somehow it wants to become more sophisticated, or somebody yeah. or other wanted it to become more. Perhaps they just got bored doing it, but in a way the the boredom of the repetition, if you think of Rothko and all these yeah. that whole direction. In, in in modern painting towards simplification, repetition, endlessly doing. And I, because I remember, if you go, if you see a single painting by Giorgio Morandi, you think, oh yeah, that's all right. If you see a hundred, which are all practically interchangeable, you think it's wonderful because it's the tiny little variations ah, that are so sort of fascinating. And I thought Peppa Pig was that, although of course, for the benefit of this. Bro podcast of course i've watched a lot more and i've realized there's a whole lot more that are much more complicated yeah but what i liked about the early ones is that they are they are just variations on a theme george wants to jump into the big puddle first stop george i must check if it's safe for you good it is safe for you <laughs> Pepper and George love jumping in muddy puddles. Time to pause the podcast for just a moment, folks. Um, 
We at fantasy-animation.org publish weekly blog posts that highlight a certain aspect of the relationship between fantasy cinema and animation by um, a particular writer each week looking at their own interests. Absolutely. We've got uh, chances for people to publish on, on particular films, television programmes. Um, we'd love to hear from you if you uh, have a particular sequence um, from your favourite film or television programme that you want to talk about. If you've read a book on fantasy and animation, if you've been to an event, uh, a conference or even a festival, we'd love to hear from you um, if you've uh, got something to say about uh, fantasy and animation in the form of an editorial. These can be an interpretation, a reflection of an idea or concept, anything that connects up fantasy and an animation together. From creative practitioners to more philosophical readings, we'd love to hear from you. So examples of previous blog posts have included a range of items from um, a look at uh, Soho uh, cinema practice in uh, and the relationship between fantasy in uh, animation studios working in the London area, We've got work um, on particular studios, whether um, it's the Leica studios, whether it's the Pixar studios, whether it's the DreamWorks studios. We've got thoughts on animated uh, documentaries. We've got reviews of Captain Marvel, uh, the new Dumbo movie, um, as well as reflections on How to Train Your Dragon and its, um, and its engagement with queer theory. Um, any kind of um, angle you want to come at this from, we'd be open to hearing ideas. We don't have a deadline, we operate on a rolling uh, submission process. All you need to do is get in contact with us on the website under the How to Contribute tab or the Contact Us tab. Um, it's easy to find and we're waiting to hear from you. Well, actually, the first note I've got about the first episode is about the modernist design. Oh, right, uh, yes. Because obviously that connects us yes. with some sort of mid. Um, <clears throat> mid-50s, yes. mid-60s yes. shift within animation yes. yeah. that are a rejection in some ways of Disney yes. and certain kind of studios, yeah. United Productions of America, that are working with suggestions of characters, right. suggestions of physiognomy, suggestions of setting. And actually the setting, there is no depth and dimension. It's right. done through a kind of power of yes. the line where yes. lines don't quite join up. Yes. And, there is, and actually looking at some of the... It is very flat, Peppa Pig, but looking at the backgrounds, they're kind of and I'm doing inverted commas, poorly drawn yes. because the lines aren't perpendicular mm. or parallel and there is no... And I noticed the light switch by the stairs is, is all wonky. Um, but <laughs> but we should, yeah but the, and the, and the lights are the lines vanishing points of the kind of spatial mm. organisation doesn't really re read as true yeah. which is yeah. absolutely fine but it reminded me of that sort of simplic simplicity of modernist design that is working with a kind of suggestion of there's enough in the frame yes. to get a sense of where the stairs are in relation to the lounge yes. and you kind of know the layout of the house mm. even if it's from the <clears throat> long shots impossible yes, in terms yes, of the dimensions yeah. um, and so there's, there is kind of something there in which the, the programme is, is itself, I don't know, it seems to recall these sorts of, not avant-garde in the sense of animation, but certainly the modernist designs of, of 50s and 60s, UPA, that yes. sort of, yeah, that, that geometric, angular, mm. I don't know, kind of power of suggestion. But, but do you, the only thing is, because I mean, because one of the very few children's things I loved as a child, and I think it has been re-released, was this... Mr. Magoo in uh, yes, Thousand yes, and yes, One yeah. Arabian Nights. Yeah. I thought that was, I loved that. Um, but my memory of those is that you're very conscious of lines. Yeah. Whereas I feel with this, you're very conscious of shape. I don't know if that's a really meaningful thing to say. Yeah, it seems yeah. to be like blocks of colour. Yeah. Of course, they do have lines around them. But somehow the line, is, I don't see the line. I see the block. Am I just No, I think that's interesting. It's got a colouring book aesthetic. Yeah, to yes, me. Yeah. Right. I mean, knowing very little about it, but yeah. it, it feels like drawings that 
feel coloured yes. in. Yeah. Um, and then the pleasure of colouring yes. in, right? Um, yeah. You sort of do visually yes. when you watch it. And, it was, and because it does occasionally, there's that nice episode about about painting. Yes. Where, where, uh, which, on the one hand, has this kind of... Because I think there's a sort of clever dick element that comes in in some of the episodes. But I think it's very interesting, the whole thing about... Pe Daddy Pig, first of all, that he paints an apple tree, which of course looks exactly like the apple tree, yeah. in a way that all paintings don't look. <laughs> I mean, you see what they're referencing, but they don't, they're, they're not. Yes. Co I guess they're Daddy not Pig in the world yes. of Peppa Pig is a sort of Dutch realist. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But even a Dutch realist, yeah. you see why it's like that, but you still see its paint. <laughs> but of course, this is exactly the same. And then the birds come and mess it up by. Um, jumping about paint. in it, yeah, and, yeah. and and then they jump in the paint, and they <clears throat> and they jump on the on the grass, and they make the same marks. So then, I think one of the I think the voiceover says, and the paint and the painting looks exact. Now, when I wrote it down, actually, is that the painting looks exact? The birds have made the, the birds have made exactly the same pattern as the painting, or something mm -hmm. like that. So it, now you could see this, but I just think <clears throat> it's a, it's a kind of delight in these flat yeah. shapes that are unless with the birds. The marks of the um, footprints. Yes, uh, they're just sort of flat shapes, and it's just like Matisse or something. Actually, it actually boils down to, I suppose, the obviously the child audience, and we we don't need to rehearse that debate. Mm. But there's something, you know, the the way in which character design works, and the use of lines and shapes and angles, mm. and and positive characters are often rounded yes. and. and um, Jafar in Aladdin yes, is very yeah. tall and angular and, yeah. and there are ways in which you can instantly and economically connote certain kinds of characterization mm. through round shapes and square yes, spaces yeah, and, yeah. and all these yes, sorts of things yeah. um, and so it is doing that I think the colouring book aesthetic is interesting it yeah. does work very blocky there's yes. no kind of shading in yeah, that sense yeah. um, so it is very legible yes. and, 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 and there's something even banal in yes. it's the way that yes. it's formally designed so it is, there is a real nice compatibility between the banality of the narrative so I don't think it would work if it was a kind of hyper real, those or even right, I've actually yes. we had conversations previously about I don't know whether these kinds of narratives but it has to be done in that sort of yes. limited style or, or, or that even sort of photorealist, but it would be bad. It would it would it would feel out of kilter, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. There's, a, there's a nice interplay between the themes and the plotting and the topics that are being dealt with, right. the treatment of it in this sort of rep repetitious way, yes. uh, and also the style. The yes. style is relatively consistent across all the and episodes. And it's the style. The implication of the style is that it's even though actually it would be you know, a child's drawings, a child's paintings that you see are actually more daubed and yeah. messy. But it's somehow, it's almost like how a child would animate if it could animate. Yeah, it would animate the animals yes. the same yeah. size yes. because yeah. there is no difference yeah. between a pig and an elephant. They just, they work as icons yes. rather yeah. than... And then talk about it, I really interested in this fan fantasy of banality idea. And, and I think the more I'm thinking about it, the more... We often think of fantasy in storytelling as, as embellishing or adding to reality yes. or intruding upon by adding some extra dimension or element or character that can do things. Here, actually, as much as if we if we just step aside the fact they're all animals that can talk, <laughs> yeah. um, it, a lot of the fantasy is in um, simplification. Yeah, yes. as you were saying, it's about making things complicated, simple, and removing uh, nuances yes. and removing. Uh, making it block-like as a metaphor, yes. or life block-like into a series of structures. So the fantasy is, is actually taking away from reality yes. rather than giving to reality in this time. Um, I guess the only... I think I, I'm very excited that we've now compared Peppa Pig to the heritage of high modernism. But I guess, <laughs> I guess the, the thing... Name-checking Matisse. You know, I, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think that is problem. Obviously, on one level, I think, oh, come on, get a grip. But at the same time, there is some formal similarity that 
And actually, yeah. I think there is, I'm not sure in Moran, but certainly in Matisse and Clay, although Clay yeah. is a bit different, there, there was a kind of um, principle of being childlike, that, and particularly Clay, that's what a lot of what Clay is about. We must get back to the simplicity of the vision of childhood and so mm. on. So it's not, it's not completely mad to make the comparison. I guess, the, I guess the, the aesthetic is less, or at least the, the intent, if we can ever talk about yeah. intent, is less confrontational. It, it doesn't ask us to contemplate. Yes, sure. It doesn't Absolutely. ask us That's to numerate. Really um, in I, that sense, one might, I wonder, but I don't know enough about it, about minimalism in music and that whole, and that kind of valuation of repetition, which of course has also interested me recently in the valuation of repetition in the serial killer films, yes. as a formal quality of serial killer films. Uh -huh. Obviously I'm not <laughs> Peppa Pig as serial killer, <laughs> but nonetheless I just think there are also way. or I was trying to think if there are other kinds of films, but if you think something like Jeanne Dielman, which is partly about the repetition of housework, but it's, it is so slow, and and so on. So it doesn't quite. I just don't know that there there might be avant-garde films that are just about repetition. Yeah. But I certainly think in music there's that whole development of you know Steve Reich and all these people. I don't know much about it actually. Is, is this repetitious but, um, though, or is this sim sim simplistic, for want of a better term? I don't find Peppa Pig repetitious. In a way, I do because it. You know, it's seven minutes an episode. It's not like they do anything drastically yes. different. But of course, they're not doing the same thing. No, well, of course, you know. well, yes, but of course, that, that's true. And that's, I rather, I mean, you know, in a way, you can see why it had to develop the way it did. And it becomes much more complex and self reflexive. And they go to Paris and all this sort of thing. But I mean, I, of course, I really like the early episodes, which seem to be, I mean, there's no, obviously, they're not pure repetition because that, well, there's no such thing really. But because it, even mm -hmm. even if it, it was ex even if one episode was exactly like another, which would be of course pure avant-gardism, mm -hmm. the second one would be different by virtue of being the second one, just by virtue of not being you know. And there's no such thing as pure repetition, but it is repetitious. Partly just that whole thing about the beginning. It goes oh every time I'm Peppa Pig and this is George and all the rest of it. Yes. But also the the first episodes, so little happens that it feels like it's just a little variation. It is like, I was talking about Mirandia, it's just, well, he's moved the pot a bit to one side and so on. But then it become, they become more mm. developed in a way. And I suppose, I mean, I wonder if it's partly, a, um, partly the animators, but I wonder if also there's a feeling we need to put something in for the parents because the parents are going to sit the board out of their heads if we just keep repeating it over and over. Well, yeah, one of the notes um, I have actually yeah. is about the role of adults, yes. I suppose, in, in the programme yes. itself and yeah. the role of parental fig The parents yes. and then the grandparents yeah. and, and, yes. and often they're part of the games yes. in some of the earlier yeah. episodes, the hide-and-seek yes. uh, episode where George hides on the dad's lap yes. behind the yes. newspaper. Behind the paper, yeah. um, and there's sort of, so there's that... Yeah, the ro the role of adults and parental figures and the teachers and and, yes. and these kinds of things. Um, how the distinction between adults and children is slightly blurred. Obviously, yes. in the real world, we have the kind of portmanteau terms yeah. of man, child, and kid adult and all yes, this sort of thing. Yes. So I like the early episodes because the children do uh, engage with the adults. Perhaps yes. the adults are not figures of authority per se, yes. but they're part. And actually, a lot of the episodes end with them, as you say, rolling around yes, laughing. Yes. And there's a real sort of democracy at the end yes, where they're all yeah. part of the. It's and all, they're all fun. in the mud. They're all in the mud <laughs> with Wellingtons. Yeah. But there's something, yeah, very 
formally, I like the idea that yes. formally it's repetition. Obviously, the style is repetitious. Yes. The opening titles. This is how seriality, yes. you know, as yes. you know, seriality yeah. on television works through these processes of, of recognition between episodes, and you're catching up the new episode and stuff. Although um, it's interesting, but it of course isn't. There's no catching up. No, there's, ne- there's never any need to catch up. Previously, you can watch on. anything. There's never previously. Yeah, on. I mean, I, mi- I yes. missed season one of Peppa Pig. I must right. confess, in prep for this, but I feel like I feel like I've caught up. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. And this simplicity being... I, I guess I, I wouldn't know if we could make strange or problematise this idea of simplicity being appealing for children, but mind-numbing or, or boring for adults and sort of pick that... I, I've, I've got must do this at one point because, like Chris, I was inundated with family requests as soon as they heard I was doing Peppa Pig. <laughs> and, and Emily, if you're listening, um, uh, she's written a, a nice review for us. Um, the reason I like Peppa Pig... Um, is it teaches you things like maths. Georgia and Peppa are very funny and it, and it and they make me laugh. I like to watch Peppa Pig when I am sad or poorly as it makes me feel comfortable and safe. And my favourite characters are Peppa Pig, Susie Sheep and Emily Elephants. Um, and I can attest that Emily is a big, big, big Peppa Pig fan and has been to Peppa Pig World down in Poulton's Park in the South Coast um, and watches these things on repeat over and over again, mm. as my mm. cousin attests. Which is important about the whole thing about repetition. Mm. That it almost doesn't... It could just have one episode mm-hmm. and just have it repeated all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> so so we've got double repetition, yes. right? We've got the episodes themselves are re- repetitious mm. and then the act of watching it, certainly for their target mm. audience, mm. is repetitious. So... And and there's something comforting about that. That's clearly coming out here. Um, is it is it child concerns you know, over an adult? And the psychoanalysis is coming out in me again. The classic Freudian, but the sort of you know uh, adult world. The unknown is scary, so stay within the known. Repeat the known and things like that. But of course, there's certain problems with that when you're an adult. When you know the horizon is more. Uh, deeper, broader than uh, things. I don't know. It's just, it's this idea that simple children like simple things, adult like complex things, is always worth pausing and critiquing a little well, bit. Well, yes, I know. Um, because I think there's a lot of, you know... Simple... I mean, in one sense, although, of course, it is, I understand, is very popular with children, mm. but, of course, it is made by adults. Yes, yes. absolutely. And it's exactly sort of it. partly a, is an, it's an adult idea mm-hmm. of what it is like to be a child. And, of course, none of us can ever really recover what the experience of being a child is. And, I mean, I think my idea of what it is like is that it's much more inchoate, that this is much more disciplined and controlled and that might be what's nice about it than the world which is all these things happening and you can't control them and so on absolutely so it's not it's not it's more like what is comforting in childhood rather than this is what childhood is like but there's also a sort of social dilemma that i always think when i think about children's media and children's audiences that um uh ewan kirkland writes a lot on this and and he and that i I remember him saying something at a conference once that's always stuck with me, which is that childhood is the only social category that we rarely, or at least one of the last social categories we rarely problematise as being a social category, yes, right? It's, I mean, yeah, there's a certain, sure that's there's a certain true, biological yeah. reality to yes. it. But again, what a child, what an eight-year-old likes yes. is just as meaningless as what a man likes and yeah, what a woman yes, likes yeah. and all this kind of stuff, right? So actually, when we talk about a child, we're really talking about a social category that right. as adults we right. have created and often speak more to our anxieties and yeah. concerns you know it's it's historic it's yeah. it's socially coded so i think there's some interesting things here about even watching it now as an adult thinking what a child would think when you're yes. watching it yeah. that's part of the the dynamic of of the 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 the, the, the show right is that you can't help do this mm. um 
and that's interesting, right? I guess it, in a way it can be compared with something like the, you know the, a woman's cinema yes. or something like that, or the you know the, the chick flick or whatever it is. These 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 um, categories of media that are so in so the target audience is so rammed down your throat. Yes. It's hard to just watch them as a human being, right? right? You know, I don't know. I've said a lot there, and I don't really have anything. Well, to I think follow it's up that, but, it, but of course, of, of course, it's with the two thing. One is of course with, with the, even the most like classic women's pictures were directed by men, but they were mainly based upon fiction written by women and they you know and the women's stars had to be so there was a kind of input yeah, of sure. women as well as the address to women whereas of course these are not, there's no yeah. well there may be some input of children at some level but it's a pepper pig but not really but the other thing is how much i think as it goes on how it puts in these things which you feel are really for the best even like the welsh rabbit with welsh <laughs> rabbit it was with something that's a little joke an adult can pick up on and feel and and uh, there's one that in the painting one, uh, when it's uh, it, when the p- daddy pig goes outside. Oh, well, I used to paint, and he comes back, and he has a beret on. And then there's a little <laughs> discussion about that. No, you have to wear a beret. And now that, of course, is itself already, you know, on the whole, it's adults will know the cliche of the French painter with the beret. But what's not remarked upon is that his moustache has changed. That he had a little, he has this sort of brushy, rather piggy moustache initially just a few little lines but when he comes back suddenly it's all curlicued in a way of a sort of French cliche and presumably that's there for the parents to at some point notice but then that I think goes back to what you're what you just said that the that the those things being put in as it were I think I suspect have the function of confirming what is childlike as opposed to this is what we adults think, but this is what as if we as if they know mm-hmm. what is childlike. Yes, and I'm suspicious mm-hmm. of the the potential hierarchy of yes. that, right? Which is yeah. I'll, I'll get this joke about the yes. Welsh rabbit, but my child won't. Yes, because that's exactly. not yes. for them. So I'm that conf- and it also yes. confirms my position as adult. Absolutely right, because yes. um, because I'm getting the jokes and and you're and in and a way it makes tolerable the uh, the. The fun made of adults, particularly I mean, again on the on the internet, there's a lot of upset about that. You know, almost like the daddy pig is um, harassed and right. mocked, and and there's a whole thing about fat shaming in the episode in the treehouse. You have to say the secret words, then you can come into our house. <laughs> I see. And what are the secret words? I have to whisper them to you. The secret words are. Daddy's big tummy. I see. (laughs) (laughs) Say the secret words. Daddy's big tummy. That's right. Daddy's big tummy. (laughs) I think those are silly secret words. (laughs) (laughs) They all get into the Peppers treehouse, which has been built by Grandpa Pig. And and the code word, she said, you can only come into the the treehouse if you say the magic words, and the magic words are daddy's big tummy. So first of all, and even, and daddy doesn't want to say daddy's big tummy, So, but he nonetheless, this is what they, some of the comments on the internet, he is humiliated in having to say daddy's big tummy, and what's more, he can't get into the pig, the treehouse because of his big tummy. The only way he can get in is if they take the roof off, and, he, wow. and of course, and that's typical that on the one hand, so on the one hand, in a way, it's quite, uh, it's quite sort of teasing and negative towards parents, but then then parents have got the comfort of well, yes, but we are superior nonetheless because we get the joke about Welsh rabbit and so on. 
And also the other thing about that episode, which gets onto the is sort of the niceness, is it is solved immediately. So I think that's part of the niceness is that things are always there's never a problem for very long. Yeah. And and then then everyone laughs. Yeah. So it's all all right. And Daddy Pig doesn't really mind. And he doesn't really yeah, mind. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm interested in when we say that the later episodes become more complex. Yes. yes. What, what, and, and and I'm wondering. If we think of the audience as pursuing the series through its various iterations, mm. whether through this process, if we're saying that the animation or this instance of this animated television program working through a kind of discourse of uh, kind of socialization that mm. ki- children are learning about the world. And so mm. the first few episodes are very simplistic what it means to have a relative, what it means to have parents, how to play in puddles, what happens mm. when you lose a toy, what happens when you uh, invite your best friend mm. round, um, when you have a pet, all these kinds of mm. things. Yeah. And then it becomes more, quote-unquote, yes. more complex. And I'm wondering, is the assumption that the audience is watching these episodes and as as the sh- as they learn more about the world, the world of Peppa Pig gets more kind of convoluted and intricate and, and the animators pull things in to kind of quantify and, 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 I guess, raise and nuance that world in a particular kind of way? Is it is it something... It, does the world develop in a way that the audience themselves can actually... If you watch it sequentially you can see that the world gets bigger and bigger. And as they're getting older, you know, as the child audience is getting older, the world's getting more kind of complex. I don't, no, I don't know. I, th- I feel it's an eternal present, really. I mean, oh, it, right, it, okay. I mean I, yes, it does, it's true that they do go to Paris and a desert island and all sorts of other things like that. Um, but at the, And you suddenly you discover there's a museum in, nearby and so on. But I, I, I feel they're... they're I, I just think it's almost like they, the, the, the animators couldn't bear just to keep making the same thing. Mm. So that for them, for them, and also maybe there was a feeling, oh, these poor parents, let's make episodes, the episodes will be more interesting if we put in all these little little jokey things about... So it's the humour that when we talk about complex, yes. it's humour, it's a, a shift towards a kind of reflexivity. Yes, yes. there's um, an element of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an expansion of the world. One yes. of the criticisms or... I suppose one of the pleasures of, of a programme like The Simpsons is yeah. that the world of Springfield is entirely incoherent. And, yes. And, and, and this has started to become, to become a feature of the programme where they self-reflexively or self-consciously acknowledge the fact that there's like a bowling alley yes. next to this, yeah. when, when clearly that's not true. So yes. they like the flat fact that the space itself is kind of fluid and malleable yes. and it allows yeah. them to create this yeah. sort of geographical imaginary of what Springfield yes. actually like. It seems like with here, you know, they have a house on the hill and then, then there are other bits yes, that get added can, to. You can go away or you can, and the voiceover, there's the one about getting in Desert Island. It starts with, they are visiting Captain Dog, I think he is. And so it's, you know, so we are immediately told that. Of course, the thing about the, we should talk about the voiceover. Yes. It's very interesting, I think. But so, I mean, so I don't think there's, in that sense, any particular development, but there is a kind of, yes, there is a, and it never pushes it too far. It just make there might be a little bit of self-reflexivity, but nothing that's going to undermine mm. or make incoherent this world, which is always, it's a stable world. I yes, I think that's sense. right. I think yeah. in terms of the, this is why I like the first few episodes yeah. of anything in terms yes. of like a cross-section of episodes to look at. What does it do? It solidifies certain kinds of rules and, and things that perhaps can right. or can't ha- happen. Yeah. Um, when a toy gets lost yes. in a tree, we know that gravity is, yes. you know, and these yeah. kinds of things, yeah. little nuances. When the characters are playing hide and seek, they are discovering yes. and hiding in different parts yeah. of the rooms that we've never seen before. Yes. And so there's something, I think you're right, it's very stable. Um, but yeah, but I mean, you might get a, like there's a, in the um, episode where they dig up where they're making a pond yes, and they get yes. the bull to come. Mr. Bull comes with his digger and helps to dig the pond 
recently, and that's to help the museum keeper, in fact. And and at that point, the voiceover says, Mr. Bull is really, I think it's Mr. Bull is really good at this expert at digging. And, and the voiceover shouts. So it's like a little joke about the, no, having, yeah. the, the noise of the digging means that the voiceover actually has to shout. But it's such a, it's a little bit there and you can, it, it's nice for adults and they, they can feel superior. But it doesn't in any way disrupt the fabric of the of the, yeah. of the No, I think the vo- I think the voiceover yes. is interesting in yeah. terms of that repetition yes. and cycles of repetition. I think the voice work yes. in the you know we was, yeah. we would associate and this is true of a lot of television yeah. animation that child characters are voiced by adults yes. because they can there are many reasons why this might be yes. the case whether it's to do with labor yeah. and labor laws and these and and, and they're obviously the role of uh, the child as they yes. mature and their inability yeah. to, to play young yes um, and so this is very typical in some respects that if you look down the cast you have a lots of yes. kind of adults performing yes. as, as children yeah. which is not necessarily the case in other kinds of animated yes. film and and, and well, largely film actually yeah. um but yeah kind of the use of accents so because yeah. there are all these sorts yes. of things like i the voices, yeah, becomes very interesting, and but then it's interject that tension between nature and culture. Yeah. These are characters that can talk quite eloquently, yes. but then snort. Yes, and yes. That, and actually, yes. in the, in the soundtrack, through that that shift between, uh, yeah, kind of a cultured response yes. to something, and then just uh, perhaps an instinctual snort because something yeah. is funny. Yeah. It reminds you that they're pigs, and I do really like that. Yes. That might yeah. be a moment. The sound might be the moment where we realise if the characters are interchangeable, that yeah. they that the the program downplays yes. pigness, elephantness, parrotness. Yes. Um, it's actually in the in the sound that the or the soundtrack it that it announces yes. there. Yeah. Thinking about the animation style as well, so I'm sort of enumerating on something you said, Richard, about sort of this idea, which I sort of definitely agree with, that this the film, the, the, the television show needs to expand because there's this sense of this frustrated animator yes. constantly <laughs> clicking yes. on the same pig, <laughs> moving up and down the house. Um, but of course, and this is probably time for my impossible question, uh, Chris. Uh, every week on the podcast, I usually ask Chris a question that's absolutely impossible to that answer. we haven't rehearsed. Like there's no way prepped for. But there's a, interesting, the, the animation looks simple. But of course, I'm, from my understanding, this is all done on a computer. Yeah. The way it's constructed must require a lot of sophisticated programming. And I wonder whether this idea that this animator is sitting there filling in paints right, you know, yes, with the thing yes. is actually a bit of an illusion. And actually, maybe uh. it's, it's harder or at least as labour intensive to animate something like Peppa Pig um, as as it is to do, you know, these great big film DreamWorks uh, photorealist mm. things. So, and to sort of bring back to what you were saying there, Chris, the, the, there's a paradox also, I think, in the animation style, in that it looks like it's just been drawn quickly on a flipbook, yes. but of course it's so smooth yes. and glossy and things mm. like that. And there's a so as as the pig is both civilized and snort, the animation is both simple and sophisticated at the same time. Yeah. So that's enough time. Answer my impossible question. Uh, uh, well, uh, my my feeling would be exactly the opposite, and I wonder. Oh, yeah, okay. I wonder whether it's simple. The first, when you get the bank or the archive of characters and settings, mm. then what you're really doing is is playing with those components and those constituent parts. And I wonder whether the the sheer volume of episodes speaks to something that is yes done on computer mm. and perhaps tune shaded or cell shaded. So this idea that the computer doesn't look like anything, yes. but what, so what it can look like is everything. It can look like and replicate faithfully the kind of drawn mm. elements. It looks very painterly. Um, yeah, it looks like kind of Windows 95, Windows 98, paint kind of thing, but there's a charm in mm. that, of course. I wonder whether when you have this bank, when animators have created this archive of characters, and, and I'd be interested to see whether, how much repetition there actually is industrially in terms yeah. of that is a repeating shot from this, mm. and actually where later episodes are 
kind of quite frank and stinging because they're pulling mm. that establishing shot of the house on the hill yes. and, they're, and they're pulling that shot of Pepper going up the stairs or whatever yes. it might yes. be that I wonder whether whether industrially or, or at the level of the animation these are repeating shots and actually that makes them that that, yes. that feeds into that I, yeah I, I would say the ease my feeling is that there's an ease that it gets easier insofar as when you have that archive of characters and settings and, and places that you can go, then you can start to play mm. with different elements and you're, you don't have to reanimate Pepper every time. Yes. You have you have Pepper on a computer that you can pull from the archives and, and place into a series of scenarios. They become performers, you know, they become animated stars or they become animated performers because you can put them into various settings. I don't know whether that's, that's true. I'd have to do a bit more yeah, research yeah. in terms of the style and the kind of, it's certainly very graphic as I said before, very, very flattened. Um, it has that kind of quality of flash animation, like web animation, in terms of its shapes and its, its um, as you said, the, the boldness of colour. But no, I'd, I'd have to do a bit more in, in, in research into how it how it is created and whether there's a repetition going on. The I've level never of... had a sense of that I'm seeing the same shot. Yeah, I'd what, be interested. Uh, but I don't... Haven't... But that's interesting then, that if yes. it's not built, there are so many different episodes yes. that they've managed to... Well, maybe to... it is, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. But also, I was interested about DreamWorks, because I, so, I realised one of because actually one of the things I don't like about a lot of uh, CGI is it's so busy. Mm. I feel exhausted after about two minutes. And I feel this is quite, is a restful in a way. Yeah. Ah, that's you know, interesting. Well, actually, we would think of, that's really interesting yes. in terms of my research into digital yeah. animated, computer animated mm. films, insofar as we would we would associate the digital with kind of addition. It, yes. it adds to the shots. Yes. It, yeah. it removes wires, of course, yeah. And yeah. It, but it fills the world, whether it's yeah. blue screen or green screen, whether it's programs that create crowd, like crowd mm. systems that kind of copy and paste and you have these vast, mm. whether it's historical epics, um, Troy, Kingdom yeah. of Heaven, yeah. Alexander, these sorts of early to gladiator these sorts mm. of early 2000 films that very much about yes multitude yes and adding yes um and chris uh christian has written a book of the uh on digital effects that has a section in it or a chapter in it on the digital multitude mm. and i don't think there's any coincidence that a lot of early computer animated films are about ants and rats oh, right. and bees yes. and yes. penguins and kind yeah. of these yes. crap these big crowds that fill the frame you're yes. absolutely right here there's a pleasure in the opposite where yeah. the digital is is stripping everything's stripped back yes yeah. so yeah. I, the yeah. house is on the hill on its own and there's yes. no yes. it's not next to lots of yeah. other houses and mm. yet they seem to have to get to everywhere else very quickly right. and yeah. all this sort of stuff no like. i think that's right there's something yeah. about the use of the application of the technology in this sense that yeah. we would certainly associate computer animated films as yeah, busy. These are busy worlds. Yes, There's a lot yeah, going on, and, yeah. and that and that speaks to the animation in the mm. broadest sense. That yes. these are these are worlds that are perpetually um, on assignment. They're, yes. they're they have agency. If you look in the background, yes. you can. Whereas this is a program that doesn't have that sort of. There's not something else that diverts your eye in the background. There isn't a sort of playing with depth and dimension. Everything you're meant to the things that you're meant to see are the things that are moving. Yes, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, so interesting. Very interesting. So, like, uh, with the sense of time and and wrapping up, we've we've. Okay. Yes, I just want to spread the voice. Could be a voice. Oh, over. sure, yes. Lovely. Yes. Say yes. something about it. We, we've got plenty of time. I'm sure I, listeners no, no, do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just that I thought it's, it's interesting that Pepper introduces it. Yes, and she also names each episode. But after that, the voiceover is a man. Yeah. First, so I think first of all, it's not Pepper. But secondly, it's a man. A rather soft voice. It makes me think of Magic Roundabout type voice. Uh-huh. And I was thinking also that in a way that the link of that with. That in a way, it's Daddy Pig. Although he's made fun of, he is also the one. You know, it's this classic thing what people say about male and female parents. 
that fathers have the quality time and the women sort of say, but you should know, you must must put your Wellingtons on or whatever, you know. I'm not sure, that's certainly what some of the people that don't like the programme say, that it's, I mean, and it is quite traditional gender roles in a certain way. But the other thing that I think fascinates me about the voiceover is that it's how unnecessary it is. (laughs) It's constantly telling you things that you can see. So what's the function? Is it something to do with this? And we've talked previously yes. on, like, on, on podcasts about kind of traditions of storytelling yes. and, and the bedtime. And, yeah. and there are lots of television programs, I think, aimed at children that are on specific channels that yes. are geared towards, okay, now we're in bedtime mode. Yes. And storytelling becomes really important, not just the active or the, the story yes. itself, but the fact that you're being told something. Yes. Uh, and we have these channels where stars come in and read stories yes. to yeah. children as they fall asleep. Um, and so here... I wonder then what the function of it is. Is well, it to re- is it to is it to restate the visuals? No. What it is perhaps to do, it's it's part of that welcoming. You're being told something. Yes. Um, well, I think it is partly that. Although I wonder again, it goes back to what people said about early cinema that people found. I don't know if this is what was claimed. People people couldn't follow early films, so they needed a, often a voiceover, which of course continued in Japan very long, but even in other traditions, saying. Like if you if you see something like the um, life of an American cowboy, it's true. You think what is going on, uh, and so you need a voice to kind of help you through it. Mm. And uh, and this, I mean, at the same time, it's a, I find it very hard to believe. But you know, like I said, Pe- you know, Pepper and George really love jumping up and down in My Dear Puddles. We think, well, I can see that. Do I really, who doesn't? Do yeah, I yeah. nearly need to be told? Yeah. I mean, I wrote down a, a lot of them actually. Um, Pepper and Pepper is thinking of something to say to Polly. This is with the parrot. Well, you can see that she is, mm. and, and and maybe you're right. It is to do with that tradition, but also, I don't know. There's something I know that I can't remember what her argument is. In Susan Sontag, in writing about Diary of a Country Priest, talks about the fact that you see him writing, but you also hear him saying what you see him writing, and what he's saying and what he's writing is something you know has already happened. So what, there's something about that kind of redundancy, and I think. Maybe she's making a kind of modernist argument about repetition and redundancy yeah. is itself a kind of almost an aesthetic quality. I don't know. It it just amazed me how much the voiceover was not needed. But it does also, first of all, it it secures it back in the adult, the adults in control of the yes, story. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and also, it does suggest a link with the father. And many people see the father almost. And many people say really. Pep- Daddy Pig is really the main character, is what some of the people who write about it on. As, on as is true, so many yes, children's stories, yes, actually, yeah. you know, sort of right, you know, we've, we've done Mary Poppins yeah, on the show, but yeah. that's all, all arguing the similar thing. There's a there's also a, there's a book I know by a scholar called James Whitlock, which talks about um, anime uh, illustrations in fantasy novels, and, mm. and arguing something very similar that often yeah. illustrations are completely redundant because they go again, they, they're often next to the bit of the you know, illustrated versions of Lord of the Rings are yes. often at the most descriptive yes. points in uh, the story. So there's why 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 have it when the words are there? And and his argument, which I think is reasonably compelling, um, is that there's sort of two. You know, there's the the imag- pleasure and the imagination you can have with words, which is actually a play with language and linguistics mm. and mm. and sort of symbols and meaning making. Daddy. Was it um, Pepper and Pepper and George really love playing yes. with? There's some pleasure in yes, the sort of the yeah. way that's being phrased, the enthusiasm yes, of what's being yes, said, yes. cut with the sort of sensorial pleasures of the imagination. Look yeah. at the colours, look at the things, yes, and yes. it's like it's bombarding you with yeah. both of them to make it 
as cuddly and simple yes. again as yeah, possible. Right. So yeah. I don't know. There's probably there's probably it, it, it chimed a lot with what you were saying yeah. there yeah. about this idea that the, the voiceover doesn't need to be there, but there's also a pleasure yes. in him yes. saying these yes. lovely, you know, oh, they love, and then the detonation yes. even yes. is, is yeah. really kind of yeah. comforting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But also um, maybe it's a credit to the animators, yes. you know, and the, and the credit to the animation that it's able to communicate, as you say, certain yeah. kinds of mm. ideas and actually get a sense of narrative um, through the way that the characters yes. are looking and moving and, and there's a lot I think there's if it's very sparse and very banal in mm. terms and it's very a lot a lot of writing on the, the programme talks about kind of the triviality of it which yes. is the, kind of the pleasure in the normal yes. of it and the, the spectacular that can be found in the normal spectacular moderated by yes. the normal yeah. the drama is that the toy yes. is stuck in the tree well there it is done yes. sold yeah. yes. um, so there's something there but I don't know. It's, it's very economical. If something, yes. if there is, if there is the suggestion of space and characterization mm. and, and actually emotion, you know, the performance of these mm. characters, uh, it's done very economically yes. because it's it's not drawing on nuances of, of facial sort mm. of ticks and, and inflections in, in muscles. It's right. done through a kind of the, the visual style that is very sparse and very simplistic and bold and colourful and, and shapely. Um, but yeah, I like the idea that the the voiceover kind of complements that, but is also potentially not needed yes yeah it's as a pure narrative sort of economics it um, is pure narrative there yes, you go Peppa yeah. Pig is Matisse yes. meets Sontag meets pure narrative <laughs> lovely it's Bellatar um, um, uh, yeah, yeah. classic um, so the, the wrap up question I was going to ask Richard was because we've we, I know this this idea of niceness is a sort of very elusive yeah. but very interesting concept and I just wondered if we could sort of d deal with it a bit directly before we so we've, we've sort of defined it yes, but without defining yeah. it it's simple um, whatever that word means it's normal whatever that word mm. means uh, it's repetitious it's the fantasy um, of the banal. you know it's banal um could you talk a little bit about what niceness is as a category in the way you're thinking through it and then perhaps is peppa pig nice uh would be a sort of is it my turn to ask another impossible question <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that's two um, that's two. Yeah, two in at one podcast i must stop myself well i suppose what i i mean i've often thought i'd quite like to write about niceness generally but i'm i feel too tired these days the <laughs> idea to write a, a big project on some new concept well, it's not a new concept, no. but a newly... I mean, I, li I really like trying to investigate, you know, or, as it were, ordinary concepts, like entertainment or something. Yeah. Um, so, niceness. But in Peppa Pig, I suppose like, what made me think about it being niceness is that it's the kind of... It, it, the, the, secu the security that everything will be all right. And the security is also in the simplicity of the stories, is in the fact that it, all, it never, there's never, there's not really any development. Yes, there's variation, but it doesn't, in the end, you're back in the same house and everything is, all, everything will always be all right. And also that I was thinking about the security, and this might be, there might be a whole other thing to talk about there, but that you can, you can tease daddy and it won't be, a, and it won't, be a problem. There's a very now the one in which he loses his glasses, which has of course a point of view shot in it of what the television looks like mm -hmm. to Daddy, Daddy Pig without his glasses, which is in the, but I mean he gaze. yes, and at yeah. the end that Mummy Pig says, "Oh well, at least uh, then you've got your glasses. At least you're not grumpy anymore." Now. And he says, "I wasn't grumpy in a rather grumpy way," mm. and then everyone starts laughing and he starts laughing. So in fact, even when Daddy Pig is being a bit grumpy, or when mm. Captain Dog is caught out saying, I'm never going to go to sea again, then immediately wants to go to sea with his friends and he's caught out. And he, uh, you know, you can, you can get a rise out of daddy and it's not, it's not dangerous. So all of that, but, but every, everything, so every, and life is, it's, it, the, the niceness is that the, the, the security 
of the way the world is and also and that all problems can be solved as you said earlier quickly mm-hmm. and also through laughter because mm-hmm. yes, i think yeah. that's what's interesting i mean it's giggling as well so at the beginning when daddy pig snorts in the what you see every episode the opening they they giggle they don't really laugh they whereas at the end of the episode they they really all laugh they all laugh and they often fall on their backs laughing and so does even the queen i think i think the queen does in the episode with the queen but everybody does. oh and i love the fact that polly parrot <laughs> goes sideways on her you know the things she's had to just what what do you call that what Anyway, the parrot stand, whatever. Perch. It is. Per perch. <laughs> On her perch, she goes, and, and she also laughs. So, and that, I feel, and the thing is very interesting about laughter, because in a way, one thinks all sorts of theories of laughter are, are theories about how it's a release of hysteria, it's a release of tension. And, you know, I think a lot of those things are absolutely true. Laughter is also often very cruel. Mm. So one thinks about the cruelty of laughter. But what's interesting about this, this is the laughter of, of fellowship, of everything is all right. And and it, it's interesting that it's a wordless thing. It's not about a word saying, everything's all right, you're fine. It's a sort of shared feeling of, of well-being that will always come to the rescue. It's always there, no matter how much daddy is grumpy or whatever it is. And I think that's the, the kind of that ending on that effect of the pleasure of laughter as a solution to the problems of life. That is that is a kind of what is what is so nice about it. So niceness is sort of defined by its um, ability to solve problems. I like this idea of it. You know, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to make sense as long as yes. everyone's laughing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And it's a laughter amongst family, and yes. I think that's yeah. the other yes. addition to it. That yes. it's about kind of collective, as you say, yes. a, a harmony between or anyone family or members. and friends. Yes. Yeah. But yes. yes, the family is at the centre of it. Yeah. And of course, just of course, we haven't talked about the. It's true. It is very normative yes. and that's of course I mean, another part of the comfort of it but it is also kind of as, as i was thinking about you know because it is very white yeah. now of course they're okay they're pink but i mean white people mm. are pink now it's true that it's very in the school it's all full of uh, all sorts of colors we can have all sorts of colors but we center white people the center is a white family mm. and it's a white family with actually pretty conventional mm. it's true that M- mummy pig works at home and so on but it is conventional in a, in a kind of modern way conventional roles i've never thought about that yeah. the, inv- the invisibility of whiteness yes. which is often you yeah. know yeah. what you've written about the the uh, its its connections in in some ways and an analogy that you've used to discuss i think it's heterosexuality this idea that yeah. it's like air that you breathe yes. it in all yes. the time yeah. and you're not really yeah. there's a, there's really something really interesting i think about the the an invisibility of whiteness yes. that it's both invisible because these are animals yes. but it's, yeah. it, there is something still very as you say white yes. about a family yeah. that is a set of pigs, yeah. pink pigs, and so yeah. there is something really interesting about again, maybe that speaks to broader questions yes. about when we talk about race in animation, yeah. we aren't talking about animation's ability to kind of come between us and the world yeah. and 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 represent minorities, yeah. represent kind of black identity. Yes. It, it does those things, and many filmmakers, Bakshi, whatever it might yeah. be, have have drawn black identity yeah. and it's reminding you know the, the very famously uh, the the recent cartoon of Serena Williams when Serena Williams lost in one of the finals of, I think it was the US Open, uh, and there was a political cartoon that had done the rounds, and it was about, can we, and one of the the questions was, how can we draw Serena Williams, black tennis player, without, aren't all images like that Mm. racist? Mm. How do we draw a black, and so there's something quite interesting about animation's Mm. ability to do race, it doesn't actually have to be like that, it's, it plays into discourses of anthropomorphism, like racialized anthropomorphism, Mm. which, 
comes up a, yeah. a lot in writing as a book called Animating Difference, which is about how different species and speciesism is used to connote things from homosexuality to non-whiteness. Um, so there's some, yeah, some interesting mm-hmm. stuff around mm-hmm. the use of animals is not just as surrogate humans, but certain kinds of mm-hmm. surrogate humans. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. I like the idea of the invisibility of whiteness through yeah. Peppa Pig. <laughs> and, and I would like the invisibility of niceness as well. I, yes, I'm going to yes, take yeah. from this because... Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to go, okay, it's a it's a nice show and it's nice because it's simple and both of these mm-hmm. words, you know, simple implies sort of organic and it mm-hmm. implies uh, pure yeah. and all these words that are very sort of charged and problematic. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it might be time to problematise niceness a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's hard to because it's so nice to watch. So yeah. that's the paradox, yes. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's hard to sort of, yeah. Yeah, get that criticality. Yeah. But um, we definitely did it a bit here, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Lovely to spend time talking about Peppa Pig. For, Indeed. Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much, Richard, well, for joining you. us. Thank you very um, much. And yes, thank you to Alex for being my friend on the down on the pigsty. You can find us um, on Twitter at FanAnimResearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M Research. You can find us um, on Facebook. Facebook. Yep. You can find us on Facebook by searching Fantasy Animation Research Network. Uh, and you can obviously visit the website, www.fantasy-animation.org. Um, we'll see you next time uh, for something else. We don't know what yet, but uh, we look forward to it. Thanks, Richard. Thank and you. Thanks to the listeners. Bye. Bye.